I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Sports Mall's Premier League preview podcast. I'm Pascal Lemaire and I'm here with Barney Corkill to look ahead to this weekend's 10 games, starting with Manchester United versus Newcastle. Barnes, you watched United's uh, Champions League qualifier against Club Bruges. What did you think? Yeah, it was a really good performance from them, especially after the two 1-0 wins, which is a winning start to Premier League, but not entirely encouraging start for them. They, they didn't perform too well in either of those games. But against Club Bruges, a much better performance. It was seen as probably the easiest tie for them. Club Bruges, quite a kind draw in the Champions League qualifying, considering the teams they could have had. But Club Bruges played really well in that game. They only had one shot on target, the statistics were all heavily in United's favour, but it wasn't as one-sided suggested. Having said that, United did play well, Depay was the standout player, he was superb, two goals. Chris Smalling had a really good game, which is really encouraging for them, because he started the season superbly well, and considering they're considered a bit light at the back, that's a really good positive for them. So, a lot of positive signs to take out of that game, it was a very good performance and a good way to get Champions League back, football back to Old Trafford. Yeah, you mentioned Smalling there, he started the season well, like you say, him and Blind at centre-back, you, said, you talked about the 2 one nil wins in the Premier League they like you say they haven't been that convincing but you know it's a winning start no goals conceded and you know the best teams are do always tend to be built on a good defence and United certainly seem to have a very strong defence Blind is marshalling the defence well and Smalling there Darmian's had a great start and I mean Depay he'd been very quiet in those um, opening two uh, Premier League games hadn't he but he really came to the fore last night and you think that He's going to carry that on now. You expect Rooney to start having better games. He hasn't been doing much in the Premier League either. So I think the signs do look pretty good. And if they can keep that defensive stability, then they should be able to build on that. Yeah, last season, the big thing about United was they seemed a bit top-heavy with all the attacking talent they had and not much at the back apart from De Gea. Obviously, De Gea, there's the saga still going on around him. We don't know if he's going to start, if, if he's going to stay at the club beyond the end of the transfer window. He hasn't played a, a match for the club yet this season. Romero's in goal. He looked a bit shaky at times against Club Bruges. There was one back pass which he completely misjudged and was very lucky to get a free kick from that when Club Bruges could have equalised at that point. They've also missed out on the likes of Pedro now, it looks like, to Chelsea. That's a big blow for them because Pedro, Depay and Rooney, that's a really good front three. That would have, been, that would have given any defence in the world problems, yet alone just in the Premier League. So that's a big blow for them and missing out on Otamendi as well. You mentioned the centre-back, Smalling and Blind. They've done a really good job so far, but Otamendi is probably a step up. Blind's not a natural centre-back. Otamendi would have been a natural fit in there, you feel. It would have been a really good signing for them. So transfer window-wise, everything's not going as they were planned, but so far three wins out of three is a good start for them. So I think especially losing those targets like Otamendi and Pedro to their main title rivals, mm. Chelsea and City, it's just an even bigger blow. But moving on to Newcastle, they're, they're still looking for their first win of the season. You know, they started the season at home to Southampton. That was a tough game for them. You know, two will draw. There. I thought that was an OK start. And then they go to Swansea uh, last week. And, you know, I think that is always going to be a difficult game. Swansea, they had that great start. They played really well at Chelsea to get a draw on the opening day. And then, you know, um, Newcastle go there and they have discipline problems. Jan Matt gets sent off and, you know, two silly bookings. You know, there's just no need for him to do that. I think there's a bit of a problem discipline-wise. You know, Mitrovic has come on and got booked, you know, within minutes of coming on in both of his games so far. So he needs to sort that out. They're now missing Jan Matt here. And, you know, if, if Mitrovic keeps struggling to sort of get himself in the game, they need goals from him. So not being able to score at Swansea, it's always going to be a tough game. But, you know, it's certainly not the ideal start and, you know, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah, it hasn't been a great start for McLaren. As you said, it's, it has been a very tough start for them. Two will draw against Southampton, considering how well Southampton did last season. Didn't look like the worst result, but then Southampton going to lose 3-0 at home to Everton. 
season. Perhaps they may not be the fours they were last season. It's too early to say that, but Newcastle, they've got four of the big boys in the next six games. I think they've got Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United in this match and four of the next six games. So it's hard to see where they're going to pick up too many points from. The one point from the opening two games, they perhaps would have hoped for more than that. But Southampton and Swansea, as you say, not an easy start at all. I think they've got Watford coming up at home, which is probably the first match they can really think we're going to get a win here. So it's a difficult start for McLaren for sure. There'll certainly be a lot of pressure on that Watford game. Say if they lose here and you know, they're sort of down near the bottom of the table. And if there's all that pressure and if, if Watford go there, if they've had a couple of wins, they might feel a bit more free. And that could be a really pre- pressurised game. And if they get to the end of this tough run and say they've only won you know, one game, game out of eight at the start of the season there'll be a lot of pressure on Steve McLaren at that stage and this is a really difficult game for them what's your score prediction I can't see them getting anything out of this one United as, as we say they haven't been too convincing in the Premier League so far but they always seem to turn up against Newcastle I get they've got a fantastic record against them especially against at Old Trafford sorry, so I'm predicting quite a comfortable United win I'll probably go 3-0 yeah, I think you have to back United here, especially after that performance from Memphis. You know, you really start to shine there. And Rooney's got a brilliant record against Newcastle. I think I saw he's uh, scored 12 and assisted seven in his last 20 games against Newcastle. So he's got a great record. He might be looking for a goal here. So I'm going to go for a 2 0 win to United. So both picking United to win this one fairly comfortably. Moving swiftly on to Selhurst Park and Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa. Barnes will start with Palace, hosted Arsenal last time out and suffered their first defeat of the season. Yeah, it wasn't a bad performance from Alan Pardew, say, but again, they were a bit short of their best. They were quite fortunate against Norwich on the opening day of the season. Had that Jack, uh, Cameron Jerome disallowed goal, that penalty claim that got turned down against them. So they were quite fortunate to win that match, but they, you're not going to get away with that against the big boys. Again, they were short of their best. They matched Arsenal for, for periods, but Arsenal were the better team overall. They deserved the win. Ozil had a really good game for Arsenal. Uh, Palace struggled to deal with him in the hole. And with the likes of Mile Jednak not playing at the moment, and they got Kabay in there, you just feel maybe they lack a bit of that, that strength in the middle of the park. And They've obviously got great talent on the wings. They've got uh, fast, powerful strikers as well if they need them. And, uh, Connor Wickham made him his debut in that match, but never really got into the game. Balassi and Zaha. Balassi came off at half-time despite playing quite well in the first half, which was quite interesting. But yeah, just overall, they're not they're not really hitting their stride at the moment. And considering a lot of people are tipping them, maybe even to push for Europe this season, they're they're um, predicted to have a really good season under Pardew. It's been a it's a pretty underwhelming start for them, really. I think. I think the Balassi situation is quite an interesting one. You know, he's sort of come out and said, you know, he's been a bit flattered by the interest in Spurs and from Spurs, sorry. And you think that maybe would he be interested in a move there? And you know, if they lose him, they certainly want Bakary Sacco to get back to full fitness because the Sacco situation this summer, you know, he left Wolves at the end of his contract, a very explosive player, quite similar to Balassi. And you look at the players they've got; they really are. They can be a real counter-attacking threat. You know, Zaha on one wing, say Balassi, and then if Sacco comes in on another. But yeah, I think they do need more from their strikers. Wickham can we had that chance, didn't he, which he mm. missed and. You know, Bamford's gonna. I think Bamford might struggle with the adapting to Premier League life, and you know, look at their other players. They've got Shamak. He might be back for this game as well. And Fraser Campbell. You, you just wonder if they've got enough sort of goal scoring up front because Wickham. He never really scored many goals at Sunderland, and I just wonder with those sort of players if they if they really need like an out and out goal scorer. And Glenn Murray. He he can score goals, but you wonder if he's sort of fit enough to play week in week out in the Premier League. And I just think they might struggle to score enough goals to, like you say, really push for those European places. Yeah, it's probably what they're missing, isn't it? I think. Something else that will be key to the European chances is home form, if they can improve at home, because Pardew, he did a fantastic job when he came in, but his home record under Palace, I think he'd lost, he's lost more than half of his home games now after that Arsenal defeat. Away from home, they're superb. They're, they, I think they had the fifth best away record in the Premier League last season, which is a superb record for a team like Palace. And it's, not, it's easy to see why with their counter-attacking ability, as you mentioned, that suits itself to away games more than it does to home games. But there's a 
there's a feeling that um, Selhurst Park is a fortress, really. There's, mm. The crowd are always noisy. They're really good. But the actual results Crystal Palace have been getting there have not been very good. And they need to improve that if they are to make the next step up into that top eight, top seven bracket. Certainly. I think they'll, they'll fancy their chances here against a Villa team who, you know, they've had an OK start to the season. They, they went to Bournemouth on the opening day. A really tough game there. Bournemouth's, you know, first ever game in the Premier League. A lot of hype surrounding, you know, their story, you know, rags to riches and all this sort of stuff. Mm. I mean, you know, they've, they've been invested a lot of money from a Russian billionaire. So I'm not sure it's as pretty as it all sounds. But it was a decent win to go there and, you know, get the win. Gestead on his debut as well, getting the goal. But last week, you know, they, they welcomed Manchester United to Villa Park and, you know, United, we've talked about it before, they haven't been all that convincing in the start of the season, but they looked defensively very solid. They frustrated Villa for long periods. They got the goal through Yanazai. You know, it, was, it wasn't the best finish for him. It sort of took a little deflection, went in off the post. But, you know, Villa, they never quite got going in that game. And, I mean, losing to United, it's not the worst thing. But, you know, at this stage of the season, United don't look at their best. And maybe Sherwood will view it as a missed chance for at least a point, maybe. But they weren't their best, but they were looking to bounce back here. Yeah, I mean, three points from the opening two games is not a terrible start for Villa. They're expected by many people to be again battling for releg- battling against relegation. Adama Traore, his introduction could change that. A lot was expected of him. He didn't play um, on Friday, but when he gets in and up to speed, that might change things, give him more of attacking threat going forward. I think the next two games after this one are very important for them. They've got Sunderland, who, as we know, have been woeful so far this season they'll be expecting a win out of that if Sunderland carry on their terrible form then they've got Leicester who they've started the season well but again they're expected to be in and around Villa Sunderland and Leicester you'd see them as relegation rivals for Villa this season so if they can get points out of those games and then they've got West Brom after that which is a, a bit of a tougher test but still they might expect to get something out of that so coming up there's some big games for them to try and get points out of this one's going to be a tough one but as I mentioned Palace's home form isn't great so they'll be hopeful of getting something as well Certainly a really important stretch this for Villa say if they only get maybe one win or even no wins out of these next four games they'll be looking at the ones after that and they might be really struggling and big bonus to them this week uh, Jack Grealish might be back fit and obviously he, he impressed when he came in last season so if he can come back for them that's a big boost to them but what's your score prediction? Yeah quite a tough one to predict as I keep coming back to Palace's home form it's they're they should win this match. They've got the players to win this match, I think. And if it was away from home, I wouldn't hesitate and predict them to win the match. But their home form is just... You never know which Palace is going to turn up. If their players do turn up, I'm predicting them to get the win. And, I just, yeah, I think they'll get the win by one goal. I'll go for 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. Two, one. Yeah, I'm actually going to completely agree. I think, I think the, you know, Arsenal was a really tough test last week, especially Arsenal after that, you know poor result to West Ham on the opening day so I think to only lose by one goal to Arsenal isn't too bad I'm expecting them to win 2-1 here as well so both back in Palace to win this 1-2-1 Moving on to the King Power Stadium where Leicester are hosting Tottenham Pascal's been a superb start to the season for Leicester Yeah, joint top of the table only City above them on goal difference and yeah, two really impressive wins on the opening day you know, welcoming Sunderland and that was already not necessarily a big game, but at that start time of the season, you can sort of show that you know who's stronger team down there at the bottom. Very convincing four-two win, and then they go to West Ham, who beat Arsenal two 0 at the Emirates on the opening day. Go to the Upton Park and win two two one there. Really, really impressive. You know, Mares on the score sheet again. He's the Premier League's top scorer with three goals, and Okazaki getting his first goal as well. He's looked really good in the first two games with his energy, and yeah, certainly Ranieri. He's, he's done had a fantastic, it's a brilliant, brilliant start for him, and you know he's got a fully fit squad to choose from at the moment. He can pick the players he wants, and you know when you've got players like. All Brighton, who's been sort of, you know, down to the championship in the last couple of years, never really did that much at Villa. Like of Jamie Vardy running, there's just so much energy in the team, and they're going to be so hard to play against when they've got a fully fit squad like this because they're just constantly running, just not making it easy for you. And the finishes they had, you know, Mahrez's finish was absolutely brilliant. You know, Okazaki, his willingness to get in there, brilliant goals from them, and yeah, they look really good at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of their key players there, and they have got so many players that make it so difficult for the opponents, haven't they? Mahrez, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's such a tricky player. He's got 
he's he's good enough, I think, to play for a, a team higher than Leicester. To be honest, if he if he gets a bit more consistency in his play, which he looks to have done so far this season, Okazaki, as you say, really good start from him and the predatory instincts to get in. He he had his first shot really well saved, but he didn't give up and got in there, got the goal. Really good signs from him and Vardy. He had off-field troubles last season, but came back and put in another energetic performance. They got they are going to be a very tough team to play against and. The thing about Leicester is they showed it last season, they've shown it so far this season, once they get a bit of momentum going, it's very, very hard to stop them. Even the top teams will struggle to stop them. So I think Vanieri, as you say, has done a very good job so far for them. There was questions over him when he came in. Hasn't He didn't do very well at Greece. They lost the Faroe Islands at home, I think, during his time in charge. But with Chelsea, way back when he was with them, he did a decent job. He finished second before getting sacked. But only finished second to the Invincibles in his last season. So I think... Some of the questions were unfair over him and he's certainly starting to show that he is a very good manager again. He's made a superb start with Leicester. Mm. I mean, I think they're looking to strengthen again. You know, I've seen today that um, you know, they've pretty much sewn up the signing of Gokhan Inler and that seems to be you know, a like-for-like replacement for Cambiasso. You know, another player coming from Serie A where you, you, know, you need those doggy midfielders in the middle. And you know, They've conceded three goals in their first two games, so that's something you'll want to put right. I know they've done really well to outscore their opponents, but you know, three goals in two games, you want to sort of shore up that defence. And certainly a player like Inler in there who you know, can break up the play in the middle, you know, especially without Cambiasso this season. You know, he was so good for them last year. I mean, he scored some goals as well for them. I'm not sure Inler will come in and score many goals but it will certainly help in the middle to break up play because I'm surprised, quite surprised to see someone like say Andy King he's been a regular fixture in the first two games and you know for me I'm not sure if Andy King is a Premier League you know regular sort of player I think he might be the player who potentially drops out if Inla comes in and certainly a sign of intent you know Inla been at Napoli you know one of Italy's best clubs for a few years now and if they can get secure that signing it'd be really really impressive and yeah things look really good for them they do very promising times for Leicester and they'll be coming into this match with a lot more momentum than Tottenham for sure they They've had a pretty poor start to the season, one point from two games. You can look at bad luck for the opening game of the season against United. They played well in parts and then only that unfortunate Kyle Walker own goal lost them the match. But against Stoke, 2-0 up with 15 minutes left. Those matches you have to be winning. If they want to get in that top four, which has is, got to be their target really every season now, they need to win those matches. To have thrown a two-goal lead away against Stoke, really, really disappointing for the Mucha Positino. And they played, they played all right for long parts, but... Stoke had their chances, Tottenham had their chances too, don't get me wrong, but Lloris had was made, forced into a few really good saves to keep Stoke out as well, so it wasn't an entirely unjust result for Stoke either, which will be a bit of a worry, because although Stoke have improved this summer, again, they are teams the sort of teams Tottenham need to be beating if they're to make that step up to Champions League football. Certainly, and Harry Kane's still waiting for his first goal of the season, isn't he? Absolutely brilliant last season, but... He's still waiting for his first goal. Now he's a doubt for this game, and you know if he's not there, they have. I mean, again, in the Stoke game, they didn't have any other striker on the bench. You know, it's whether say if Kane can't play this week, you know they've been in for Berahino, but I've, you know I've read reports that that bid's been rejected, so they're probably going to give up on him. I mean, I think maybe going for Charlie Austin would be a decent shout as a sort of second striker to Harry Kane, and interested in Yannick Balassi as well potentially. But he's he's they've got quite a lot of players like Balassi, you know, wide men, and I mean if Kane doesn't play here, it's whether they go with Lamella up front if they try and stick I don't know Chadley up there, or but if. if Kane can't play in this game that's a huge blow for them because he's the only striker they've got at the moment I mean Adebayor's still at the club if he's not getting on the bench he's clearly not favoured by the manager and he's been linked with the move away all summer long so if he's not there you really worry you know if Kane's not there who they're going to play up front and if they don't you, you can't really see them scoring it would be a big blow because as you say Leicester have been a bit leaky in defence as well so they go, the Leicester are going for their five home wins in a row for the first time in the top flight in 31 years do you think they can get it? Uh, I'm going to go for a draw here. I think, I mean, I think Kane. He sort of he, sh- he should play. He's a bit of a doubt, but I think you know, given that Spurs don't have much else, you know, Pochettino will say, look, 
playing this one, then surely in the sort of final week of the transfer window, they've got to go for another striker. They just have to. Now they've lost Soldado. Adebayo's on his way out. So I think Kane will play. And to be fair, I think I'm gonna, I think you'll get off the mark in this game. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with that one. It's a tough one to call. Leicester have been so good. Tottenham haven't been as good, but generally last season they were better away from home weren't they had some disappointing results at home so they'll be they'll fancy their chance of getting past Leicester and as you say if Kane is fit that'll be a big boost for them so I'm going to go for a two all as well so both going for draws in this one moving on to Norwich versus Stoke We'll start with the visitors. They came from two behind against Tottenham Hotspur last time out. Yeah, it's an impressive result. You know, they did the double over Spurs last season, so they obviously like playing them. And yeah, to go two down at White Hart Lane, disappointed. But the way they fought back, you know, it was impressive. You know, opening day against Liverpool, you know, they, they matched Liverpool in that game. They didn't really create enough in that one. But, you know, to get two goals late on here, you know, two goals in the last sort of 12 minutes or so, the penalty that Arnautovic stuck away, a bit fortunate to get that. And then Juve gets the goal that um, gets the equaliser. You know, Juve scored a lot of big goals for them last season. I remember the one he scored at uh, Man City, that went a brilliant goal for them. And he proved to be a key striker last year for them scoring you know important goals for them and you know they get goals from all over the place Stoke don't they they don't have that one striker who's going to get you sort of 15 20 goals a season but they've got a lot of players who can score goals you know they've got Bojan you know coming back to fitness now and you know Simon Shakiri. you know you've got all these players who should be able to score goals for you you know Crouch he'll still have an impact off the bench and they do look pretty good Stoke and it's a decent result for them you know it was disappointing to lose on the opening day but you know Spurs and Liverpool that's two tough opening games and a point from them's okay yeah it has been a tricky start to see and I think for Stoke as well as the fixtures, I think, in terms of how the team's going to gel, it's only going to get better for them this season. I see them being quite a force. Obviously, as you mentioned, they've got Shakiri coming in. He was suspended for that match against Tottenham, but he's available again now. Whether he plays from the start remains to be seen, but he's certainly a major coup for them. He's a fantastic player. It wasn't long ago that some of the top clubs in England, the likes of Liverpool, were going after him. And he showed at the World Cup what he can do. He scored a hat-trick at the World Cup. He's a, he's a very good player. And if they've got him and Bojan, who, as you mentioned, coming back to fitness, is in contention for this weekend. Uh, he's lacking a bit of match practice at the moment so again it'll be a bit of a surprise if he's, he's thrown straight into the starting lineup. but those two the creative players and then you've got the likes of Arnautovic as well as you mentioned Diouf he can come up with something he can uh, get a big goal when needed they've got a really good team shaping up and I think as the season progresses you're going to see them get stronger and stronger Mark Hughes has done a really good job there and I think the future is bright for them this season so I think at the back is where they've, they've got to just look out at the back because Shawcross is still out for about two months and his absence will be felt but you know that you look at their fixtures coming up you know they've only got two out of their next nine games only two teams who finished in the top half last season so a really nice run of fixtures coming up really tough start against Spurs and Liverpool but the fixtures do get better and you know, if they are going to sort of push, we've sort of said you know they might be one of the teams to maybe break into the top six and upset Spurs or Liverpool potentially. And you know, one thing they've certainly got to sort out is their away form. They haven't won away from home in the Premier League since February, a run of six games. And you know, if they're really going to sort of push towards the top six and maybe you know breaking up that sort of cluster of teams that you'd always expect to be there, you know, that's where they need to improve, getting away results. Because at the Britannia, they always do tend to do pretty well. So you know, here's a chance you know against the Norwich team who are expected to be down at the bottom to you know get that you know break that away duck. Yeah, Norwich, they're one team who hasn't had a problem away from home. Under Alex Neil, they're still unbeaten. They've, they've done really well. Alex Neil's done a superb job because they look like missing out on the Championship playoffs last season, but they fought back into They got their promotion. Home form, we always think, is pretty key for a newly promoted side. They want to make their home, for, uh, home stadium a fortress and make it really hard for opposition teams. But they have generally been better on the road. They, they've uh, won against Sunderland 3-1. You've got to take that with a pinch of salt, considering how bad Sunderland have been so far this season. Some of the defending was absolutely woeful from them, but Norwich still had to finish their chances. They had two defenders and Redmond again on the score sheet, two and two for him now. So it's been a really positive start to the season for them. They were unfortunate not to beat and not to get something out of the Palace game. They had that Cameron Jerome disallowed goal. They had penalty turned down as well. So it has. They've only got one win out of two, but it's been a 
promising start to the season for them and they'll fancy their chance of getting something against Stoke because you'd put them at a sort of similar level to Palace and they play very well against Palace so they'll become optimistic going into this match. Certainly, you mentioned where the goals came from against Sunderland. Russell Martin, Stephen Whitaker, both defenders. You know, they're not going to come up with goals that often. I mean, Whitaker's finish that was a great finish from him across goal, and you know, Redmond will come up with goals. He had a great year last year in the Championship for Norwich. Creates loads of chances. You know, he came up to the Premier League when Norwich were last there. Did struggle to adapt, but he's still so young. You know, England under twenty one international. He'll score goals, but I think the big thing big thing for them is either getting one of their strikers firing on form or you know signing another striker because Cameron Jerome scored big goals for them towards the back end of last season you know Gary Hooper is a good finisher but he doesn't really offer you too much else and you know he did so well with Celtic Gary Hooper but that was against worse defences where he was given more chances you know he's not going to get that many chances Lewis Graben hasn't really stepped up to the Premier League and now I see they've been linked with a Wolves striker Benekafobe who you know only joined Wolves in January he'd been in, on loan in League One uh, from Arsenal with MK Dons and went, went to Wolves in January and did absolutely brilliantly he's a great, great striker, and I think if they did go for a phobia, I've seen that potentially tabled a big money bid for him. I think that would be a good move because they certainly need someone who is going to, you know, guarantee you at least double-figure goals. And the way a phobia's been playing for Wolves, he's already got two this season, two and uh, two and three games for Wolves this season. So the way he's playing, I think he certainly could be a great signing. Norwich have got quite a good record against Stoke over the years. Which way do you see this one going? Yeah, I think this is a really tough game to call. Actually, I think Stoke. They'll certainly be keen to get their first win. It's been a really tough start for them, whereas Norwich, like you say, have been better on the road You know, under Alex Neal. And I'm, I think I'm just going to side with Stoke here. I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win. Yeah, on paper, this is probably Stoke's easiest game of the season so far. But I think Norwich, the way they've started the campaign, they've they've played really well in both games as well. They've won one, lost one, but they've played really well in both. I think they might get something out of this one. I think I'm going to go for a one or draw. So going for one now, a Stoke victory and a draw. OK, let's go to the Stadium of Light and Sunderland versus Swansea. Barnes, Sunderland, they're rock bottom after two really disappointing defeats. It's been a dreadful start of the season. It's hard to imagine how it could have been any worse. After the summer, they initially advocate turned them down, but then came back. There was a bit of optimism that this might be the year that they don't be dragged into a relegation battle, but they haven't had a hard start to the season. These are two teams who are expected to also be in the relegation battle, and they've been well beaten by both and 3-0 down at one stage in the first two matches of the season just been a terrible terrible start and especially at home 3-1 to lose to Norwich it's a it's just an awful result the fans let them know what how they feel they really turned on the team and only the second game of the season first home game of the season to turn on the team that much to see so many leaving so early just so much gloom around the club at the moment the only shred of positivity was Watmore's goal shinned into the net rather lucky to get that goal but that got a big cheer from the crowd because it was a youngster who came in did well on his Premier League debut probably the only uh, player who actually performed, but at the back they were just they were absolutely shocking. Kabul had a really poor game. Even the the players who performed well last season, like so Van Aanholt was one of their best players last season. Catamol was one of the best players last season. Van Aanholt got shrugged off far too easily for one of the goals, Whitaker's goal, I think it was. And Catamol was just he looked a fish out of water. He was just completely out of place for a lot of the times. One two's got him, and he's usually the the person you'd say who epitomised the fighting spirit, which have kept them up for the last couple of seasons in the closing stages of the campaign, but. Even he was just out of his depth in that. It was just a, a terrible performance all round for them and a, a terrible start to the season. Mm, certainly. I just wonder, sort of, you look at the characters in their team. You mentioned Kabul there, Coates, you know, and Villas come in. But these are players who sort of, you know, they've lost their way in recent seasons. And, you know, I, I would usually say that Catamore would be the sort of player who you want sort of being there, really fighting for you. But, you know, he, like you say, he looked, he looked out of place. And, you know, the other players there, they just don't look like they're really... They're not just, you look at their team on paper and you think, you know, there's a lot of experience there. You think this shouldn't be a team that's really, really struggling. But you just wonder if the characters are gelling 
and if you know they've got enough sort of fight in the team to really even put up a fight against you know I mean Norwich they go there you know it's their first away game of the season they want to put them in a good performance and Sunderland just completely outplayed there and their home form is where they've really got to improve you mm. know I think they had one of the worst home records in the league last year and you know it's certainly you know Stadium of Light is a big stadium and if they started putting in good performances more fans would come it'd be a better atmosphere but if they keep playing like this at home you know there's fewer and fewer people are going to be buying tickets and like I say leaving early as well it's just you know it's, it's, it's going to have an effect because when you have a bouncing home crowd it does make a big difference, you know, when away teams come to you, and if if, if the Sunderland fans aren't up for it, the players aren't going to be up for it, and you just really see them struggling. I think it's very important for them to get some points on the ball quickly as well. I mentioned it hasn't been the hardest start to the season. They would have wanted to get maybe one win, maybe two wins out of those two opening games, but to be beaten so comprehensively in both is so worrying for them, particularly as they haven't got a hard start to the season. Swansea's not going to be an easy game, but the only member of last season's top four they play before December is Manchester United. If they get to December and they're in trouble, then they could be down by Christmas because they've got Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal all in December. That's a really tough period for them. They need to get some points on the board. But right now, it's hard to see where those points are coming from because they're playing so badly and I wouldn't back them to be any team in the league at the moment. Certainly, I'd say Swansea is one of the toughest teams you could play at the moment. They've had a fantastic start to the mm. season. Go to Chelsea, the champions on the opening day. You know, really encouraging two-two draw there. Slightly helped by Courtois' red card, but even then, you know, they, they were matching Chelsea for long periods of that game. You know, lots of players really turning up. And then last week they had their first home game against Newcastle. You know, Newcastle, one of the teams also struggling, but it's a pretty good performance from Swansea again. You know, another sending off. You know, for the team they were facing. So you could argue perhaps that they've had it slightly easy. They've been facing ten men for you know, you know, a large period of both of their sort of opening games. But even then, you know, you look at the players who've scored. Gomez and Ayu on the score sheet again, two and two for them. Gomez he's now got seven and eight. You know, he's playing brilliantly, and you know, there's still got other players to really shine. You know, Sigurdsson almost scored. He's he's a star player for them. Shelby's had a, he's doing really well for them defensively. Ashley Williams, you know, I just look across their team, Swansea, and you know, they do look really solid, and it's been a great start to the season. It has been a great start to the season, as you say. Their key players have been they've really turned up. Ayu's made enjoyed a superb start to his career there. He's got two goals in two now, both really well taken goals. The header and the goal against Chelsea, which was I, I love that goal, dragged it back, kept his composure. And at home. Shelby, as you mentioned, he got the assist for Gomez's goal, really good pass. He's There's talk of him getting in England regal now and he's not too far away from that. that that's how well he's playing. Gomez, the composure he showed uh, to finish that one, that would really please Monk as much as the performance of many of, the, of, his, of his other players. Sorry, because the big question over Gomez was, is he good enough to replace Bonnie? But he started the season really well, as you say, seven goals in his last eight games. That's a really good stat, that is, and it gives him... He's the focal point for the team now, for the likes of Montero, who's just, he's been the star player for Swansea this season. He gave Ivanovic the run around and Jan Matt couldn't cope with him, had to get sent off in the first half and could have potentially been sent off before he even did because it was just, it was always coming that red card. Montero just had the beating of him every single time. If those players can continue to play as they are this season, then a European push is certainly on the cards for them, I think. Certainly, they'll, they'll definitely fancy themselves in this one with a Sunderland team that's just completely reeling. What's your prediction? Yeah, I can't back Sunderland at the moment. They're just so poor. I, I think I'm going to go for quite a comfortable away win, 2-0 to Swansea. 2-0 to Swansea, yeah. I'm going to back the Swans as well. I mean, I think it might be a bit closer, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 Swansea win. So, both picking Swansea to win on the road here. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Right, moving on to West Ham versus newly promoted Bournemouth. Pascal, we'll start with the host. They fell to their first defeat of the season last time out against Leicester. Yeah, very disappointing result. I know Leicester went there full of confidence after their opening day win, but so did West Ham because they went to Arsenal 1-2-0 there. So I think West Ham would have started that game as favourites being at home. But yeah, it was disappointing. You know, he's conceding two goals in the first half. You know, great finish from Mahrez for the second one. But, you know, they were just sort of outwilled by sort of Leicester in that first half, you know, and going two behind. And, you know, they get the goal back quickly after half-time. Paye, who has looked excellent in his first two games, he looks like a really good signing. You know, he gets his first goal. That was a really good finish finishing him into the top corner as well but you know and after that they have a good sort of you know 35 minutes you know still left in the game they couldn't quite claw it back you know Adrian then gets sent off you know tars the result as well and you know very disappointing to not follow up that win at Arsenal because you know such a good way to start the season and then to not follow it up against one of the teams you know expected to be at the bottom at home was very disappointing. A bit of an anticlimax after that Arsenal result wasn't it and I think apart from obviously missing out on a potential three points the biggest blow to come out of that game is the Adjem red card. I, th- I think it personally it was a very harsh one. Adjem only had eyes for the ball. You can understand maybe where the keeper gave it. It was Billich admitted afterwards it was dangerous play but there was no intent involved. He was only going for the ball and it was sort of a desperate lunge because he was already up for the corner he needed to get back. He didn't see the Leicester player there so I- for me, it was a very harsh one. It means his appeal has been turned down now, so it means he's going to miss the next three games, which includes away games against Manchester City, Man City sorry, and Liverpool. And considering Adrian's been one of their better performers so far this season, he was very good against Arsenal, and throughout last season was very good as well. He's a key player now. It means Darren Randolph's going to have to come in, uh, the substitute keeper. I think it could be a big blow for them. It could be telling, against, especially against the big boys, because Adrian does make those crucial saves when you need them, which can win you points. Certainly, I think Randolph. You know, he was, he was good for Birmingham last season. You know, came to the end of his contract and decided to give it a go in the Premier League. He was always going to play second fiddle, and it's whether he he's ready for the sort of Premier League matches. He'll certainly view it. You know, he's, he's now knows he's got three games here. He's got over a month because of the international break till Adrian can return. So, three games. And it's a real chance for him to impress, and if he can, you know, potentially keep Adrian out of the team if he keeps going like that. But I think less. Um, sorry, West Ham. They've certainly got a. Know, improve it. if they want to sort of push towards say sort of seventh or eighth you know they're around sort of there last season you know before dropping away in the second half of the season but they've got to sort out their home form really that game against Leicester was the first of I mean their first four home games this season they got Leicester, Bournemouth, Newcastle and Norwich you know all four of them you know Bournemouth here and then Newcastle, Norwich that they had games they would probably all expect to win and they've lost the first one of them and they'll certainly want to put that right here against the Bournemouth side you know lost their first two games. Yeah Bournemouth last time out on Monday they lost to Liverpool didn't they two one nil defeats in a row there is encouragement to be taken from both games. They were they were good against Liverpool for long spells, hit the post through Matt Ritchie and tested the Liverpool defence a lot. Um, you'd maybe say there was something lacking in the final third, which is strange because they, they had no problems in that um, area of the field in the Championship last season. But this is another step up. They need, to, they need to take their chances. They didn't create enough chances really against Liverpool. Ritchie was the brightest player buzzing about, but for the possession they had and the the territory they had, they didn't really test Simon Mignolet enough in the Liverpool goal. Against Aston Villa, they missed some really good chances as well, so they need to find that clinical edge if they're to survive. So far, they've played quite well, but you need to get points on the board. Playing quite well is not enough in this Premier League, as Burnley discovered last season. I've got a feeling Bournemouth maybe could be going the same way as them. Entertaining to watch and get a lot of plaudits for the way they play their football, but perhaps not enough points on the board. Certainly, they can feel aggrieved at that Liverpool result, though. You know, the two big decisions in the game, you know, the goal that Liverpool scored, it should not have been given. I mean, 
Coutinho's clearly on for the ball. Boric, you know, does react, and then Benteke's coming in. And like Eddie Howe said in his post-match press conference, you know, if this new rule isn't going to be implemented, that's probably one of the clearest incidences you have because Coutinho was a good yard offside, and it still wasn't given. And then Elphix disallowed goal before that, but there was nothing wrong with that challenge. You know, you see challenges like that every, you know, ten, twenty of those every game, and they're never given, and that was really harsh on them. But I do wonder about Howe's tactics sometimes. You know. He's sort of, sort of he's, he signed all these big money players, and you know the biggest signing Tyrone Mings hasn't played. I think Charlie Daniels is a good good enough left back as it is, but you spend eight million on a player, and he's he's lauded Mings for a lot of the summer. Said he can be anything he wants, and he hasn't given him a single minute yet. You know, Gradle didn't start in the first game, did start against Liverpool, and then you know the substitutions he made in the Liverpool game. You know, they they were playing really well, and you know matching one of the best teams in the league. Sort of you know passing wise, they had plenty of the possession. They were being calm with it, but. He bought on uh, Adam Smith, I think, a, a backup right back, you know, to for, for a midfielder at the time, and then he put Richie over to the left, you know, in the second half when they were searching for that goal. Richie had been dangerous on the right; he'd been cutting in, and that's his best position. But he puts Richie on the right, then puts two right backs down the left when you're, when sorry, down the right when you're when you're chasing a game, and you just wonder. You know, I'm sure he, he obviously is a fantastic manager. The job he's doing, but you just you do wonder with those decisions when, you know, you, you're one 0 down. You know, you, you're you, you're in with the chance of getting something from the game, and he just didn't. The changes didn't seem to reflect that they were trying to get a goal. It was more as if they were trying to defend a lead, which they weren't. So, a bit of an odd decision. And tactics probably even more important on the road in the Premier League when you're trying to defend against a team, especially against West Ham with good attacking talent. Do you see them getting anything out of this one? Yeah, I think they might get their first point here. I think uh, Callum Wilson, he's been, I mean, he's their sort of star striker. I think he's been quite bright in the first two. He hasn't had that many chances. He had loads more chances in the Championship last year, but I think he might get the odd chance here. I'll back him to get a goal and uh, Bournemouth to get a 2 2 draw. I think West Ham have got the players to hurt Bournemouth. I think if they sort their home form out, if the likes of Paye are on form as well, I think they'll get a win here. I think I'm going for a 2 2 0 West Ham win. So going for one West Ham victory and a draw. Okay, doke. moving on to Sunday's games now and West Brom against Chelsea. Barnes, Chelsea the champions, two games, still no win and last time out against City, a huge blow. Yeah, a hugely disappointing result that was, wasn't it? You look at how good they were last season, so much better than every other team in the league, but they're just not reaching those heights against Manchester City. They were well beaten in the first half, could have been more than the 3-0, but for Begovic, he had a really good game filling in for Courtois, who is back this week, which will be a plus, but Begovic arguably deserves to keep his place after that performance. Aguero could have had a few in the first half, could have had one inside the opening minute. Chelsea were just played off the park by City. They did improve after half-time. Zuma came on for Terry. There was that big thing about Terry's substitution. Um, so Mourinho saw the problem and rectified it somewhat, but there can be no arguments, really, that they deserve to lose that match by a few goals, which there's aren't, that wouldn't have happened last season. Those are, Mourinho's always been good against his rivals. I can't remember him being comprehensively beaten by one of his rivals by three goals to lose that match to be so far second best in the first half it's worrying times for Chelsea really because against Swansea maybe they could point to Courtois' red card but in truth Swansea were a match for them for the whole time they just haven't been anywhere near as good anywhere near the level they were last season it's a big worry for them even so early in the season they will be starting to get concerned because they're already five points off Man City Certainly and you just look at the players who were starred for them last season Azar's been quiet you know, Costa's been really, he hasn't had a good games. Fabregas, Terry, like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're star players from last season. All have had, like, bad starts to the season. And they'd, like you say, be boosted by, potentially by the return of Courtois. But, you know, the reports today said that they've won the race, won the race to sign Pedro, you know, from Barcelona. And that's, that's a big thing for them because United have been linked to them consistently for the last month or so. It's just, you sort of were just waiting for United to get confirmed as, as his new club. And now Chelsea have come in, 
you know, that they've they've met the valuation that Barcelona have been holding out for, and he'd certainly be a, a good player for them because you know all that experience he's got at Barcelona, he's a good finisher. You know, that's something they certainly might need. You know, and he offers you something you know different. You know, William he's quite direct, but Pedro much more intricate with his runs, and I think certainly that could be a great signing for them. And it's, they certainly need need some players to start playing either playing better or Pedro to come in and really light up the team because, like you say, at the moment they look really all over the place. Yeah, I think Pedro should give them a boost. You'd assume he will come in the team for William. William, he had a good season last season. He was a Mourinho type of player. He worked very hard to get back. Could do stuff in attack, but mainly his main part of the um, role in the team so it was to press the defence and to win the ball back high up the field and help out defensively as well and he did that very well Pedro he may not do that as much but he'll give more creativity he's a bit more like Hazard on the other side and a front for, a three behind the strikers of Hazard Oscar and Pedro is a very strong front three he'll definitely improve the team especially with Cuadrado leaving give them another option I think they need a boost because, as you mentioned, their key players, have, Fabregas, has been surprisingly poor so far. He hasn't had a good game for them in a while now, which is considering how well he played last season, how many assists he got to Costa. It's just not happening for him. He looked all at sea um, against Manchester City. He was just uh, bypassed in midfield time and time again. John Terry, that half-time substitution was a very interesting one. First time he's ever been substituted under Mourinho in the Premier League. And there was, there was talk after, there's some people saying this could be the beginning of the end for John Terry. I think that's very premature. He was the best defender in the Premier League last season. That shouldn't be forgotten. But there's, there's talk that Mourinho sort of warned him before the City game of his poor form throughout pre-season and in the opening game of the season. It will be interesting to see if he starts this match with uh, or Zuma comes in for him. From, I don't think he was any worse than Cahill against Man City in the opening in the first half. I think it was just a statement from Mourinho. Perhaps another ploy to get him talking about something else rather than their poor performance after the match. Just as he did with Swansea with the physios after that fairly poor performance. So it might be clever for Mourinho, but it's, Terry will be a bit worried now. But for me, he's got not much to worry about because he's still their best defender. He's still the best defender in the Premier League, I think. Certainly, I completely agree with that. I thought Terry was magnificent last season. In our sort of, you know, first uh, match preview for Chelsea, I said that he was. I just love watching Terry last year. The way he read the game, and certainly, like like many other players at Chelsea, they haven't started the season as well. And West Brom also a team who sort of, you know, they haven't had the best starts of the season. First game they played City at home, and that was always going to be a tough game. You know, you look at the way City have started the season, and they lose three 0 at home, and. Next game, you know, going to Watford, who had a really good start at Everton, and going to Watford, you know, holding them to a nil-nil draw, I think is good because Watford, they've got a lot of attacking talent there. Dini, Yagalo, who were great last season, and you know, I think you know, Pulis after that sort of losing three-nil at home, he was always going to try and shore it up at the back, and I think certainly a nil-nil draw at Watford isn't the worst thing, but you know, still without a goal in the Premier League, that's something they've got to put right quickly, and you know, it's not an easy game here against Chelsea. Yeah, Berahino missed a really good chance in that Watford game. There's two sitters he's missed in two games now, and. That'll be a concern for him, especially maybe the transfer business, the transfer speculation around him is affecting him potentially. But they've had a uh, he's had a bit rejected from him for, from Tottenham now, which is be interesting to see if Tottenham come back with another big. Because Spurs need a striker. Whether they go for Austin Berahino or someone else remains to be seen. But if they can get Berahino. It'd be a good sign in him and Kane because they play for each other, uh, play for under 21s together. They've got a decent understanding if they were to play together up front. For me, I think Berahino should stay. I think he'll he'll get more regular first team action at West Brom. I think West Brom they could do some good stuff this season despite a fairly shaky start to the campaign. They need more players in. I think Pulis has he said he's concerned about the transfer window they've had so far, but he has promised some more surprising signings. I think Fazio's a talk of one five million pounds from Tottenham. I think that'd be a decent signing to show up the fence, which we know is 
every Pulis side is built on the defence. So it'll be interesting to see between now and September 1st, the transfer deadline day, what they do in the market. But I think they do need some more um, transfers coming in. Rondon obviously made his debut off the bench against Watford, so he might start this weekend, which will be a big boost for them. But the, their, their chance over the season may hinge on the next couple of weeks in the transfer window, just how high they can go. Certainly, I think the Fazio, if that deal with Spurs happens, it could potentially involve Berahino going the other way. And I think certainly if Berahino leaves, I think, it, like you say, it would be a good thing for him to stay. But I think if he does leave, it opens the door for Rondon to then come in. And I think Ricky Lambert should still do OK for them. So if Rondon, Lambert, I think that's a decent strike pairing up front there. And certainly you look at this game and, you know, West Brom, they're having a great start. But they might think here that Chelsea are there for the taking after their poor start to the season. What's your prediction? I'm predicting a, a response from Chelsea. They need a response. They, the players are good enough to have a response and obviously they've got Mourinho who's the best in the business at it. I would say I'm, it's not an easy game. I, I don't think any away match against the Pulis side is going to be an easy game but I'm backing a Chelsea win. I think 2-1 for them. 2-1, yeah. I think West Brom will get their first goal of the season but like you, I'm going to go for a Chelsea win here. I'm going to go 3-1. So both picking Chelsea to win this one. Moving on to Everton versus Manchester City at Goodison Park. Both 3-0 winners last time out, Pascal. Which three was the more impressive of the two? Uh, I thought Everton were brilliant against Southampton, but you'd have to say City at home to the Champions. 3-0 there it was a brilliant performance from them. And, you know, early title favourites. Chelsea started the season as favourites, but now City, you know, they're at top of the market now. And you have to say they fully deserve it. Two 3-0 wins. They've had six goals scored, none conceded. They've been fantastic. And against Chelsea, you know, the first half especially, Aguero got his first goal of the season. He was so bright in that first half, had a load of chances. But for Begovic making a few saves, it could have been a lot more at half-time. And... Although it was 1-0 for quite a long period of the game, you know, City never looked like surrendering that lead and you just felt like the second and third goals, they were coming. Company and Fernandinho sort of adding to the goals. Company's got 2-2 two two now. He's he's looking really good again after sort of a couple of seasons where, you know, he wasn't at his best and he's looking great. Aguero's looking great, you know. They do look really, really good at the moment. You have to say that, you know, Chelsea that Chelsea haven't been at their best at the start of the season, couldn't beat Swansea at home, and they've had all the off-field problems. You know, Mourinho then took off Terry at half-time. There's just so many things that seem wrong with Chelsea at the moment. But even so, you can't take anything away from City. They were really good in that game. Look like the team to beat at the moment, don't they? They made a great start to the season, and it looks like things are only going to get better for them. Aguero's still getting back to full match practice after being in the Copa America during the summer. And they've got some new signings potentially coming in. Otamendi will come in and give them a lot more depth in centre-back. They now have Demichelis, who's overcome a tough start in England, and he's done well. Mangala and um, company are the first two choice now. They've been very good in these first two games of the season. And Otamendi is another class player to put in there. So they'll have a lot of options in centre-back position now. be very strong in that area of the field. And De Bruyne, I think... If they could splash out the cash room, it will cost them a lot of money, but he was so good in Bundesliga last season. I think he got 28, 29 assists in all competitions, which is a phenomenal number. And I think if he can come in and if he replaces Jesus Navas in the team, Navas is decent, but he's not. I think De Bruyne's another step up. If De Bruyne can replicate his Wolfsburg displays with Man City, that will improve them a lot. And to have him on one wing, Sterling on the other, Silva in the middle, Torre, um, Fernandinho and then Aguero spearheading that that's a fantastic midfield and attack and I think if they do get De Bruyne in as well as that strong defence they've got they're going to be a very tough team to beat Certainly yeah and you just look at the backups as well say if Aguero's not if, if it's not working for him you've got Bonnie to come off the bench he's a completely different option he offers you and you look at City the, sort of their form if you take it back to last season that's now eight straight Premier League wins and they've just they've continued that on six of those games have been clean sheets as well so the defence has shored up 
know, they've got the best striker in the league in Aguero and you have to say, you just wonder if they might sort of do kind of what Chelsea did last year and sort of dominate from start to finish. You know, they've looked brilliant so far and, you know, Chelsea, that was a, you know, West Brom away, that was a tough opening fixture and then they faced the champions. Those first two games were very difficult. It's a difficult start for them and two, three nil wins, they've dealt with it brilliantly and you look at their next sort of three games now, they've got Watford, uh, Crystal Palace and West Ham in the next three and, you know, I know Everton here, this is quite a tough game but then after this, you know, Watford, Palace, West Ham, you'd expect nine points out of nine there and, you just wonder, Chelsea is struggling, you know, United haven't looked all that great, Arsenal had that surprise loss on the first day, I thought we sort of said at the start of the season that maybe the top four might be close than most recent seasons, but is it now City and then the other three, you wonder, and the way it's looking at the moment, City, they're playing so, so well. Yeah, and as I mentioned, Everton also 3-0 winners last time out, that performance for me was almost as impressive as was there against, uh, for that Man City one, because the two-all draw with Watford on the opening day of the season, following the pre-season they had, following the transfer window they had, there was a lot of gloom around the club. They needed to come from behind twice against the newly promoted side. The final equaliser came quite late on through Kone, but the performance against Southampton, who Southampton only conceded 13 home goals all last season, so for Everton to score three past them, I don't think they'd even scored at St Mary's since 2002 or something like that. So to get three goals past them and the performance, the, the manner of the performance, Lukaku was unstoppable, back to his unstoppable best. We haven't seen that much, um, we haven't seen that enough from him since his £28 million move but he looked every inch a £28 million strike against Southampton Barkley put in a really good performance all over the field there was stuff to be positive about Kone came in and did well I questioned whether he was good enough to be a backup striker to Lukaku but he got the start after his goal on the opening day and did really well set up that uh, Lukaku opener with a really good cross and Lukaku's header was superb defensively John Stones there's still questions obviously over his future but he's just getting on with it he had a really good game um, alongside him Jagielka they just dealt with Pele so easily. All over the pitch, there was positives to take from the match, and it was just they'll be a lot more encouraged now than they were before that match because there was a bit of gloom around the club, but things are looking a lot better now for them. It'd be interesting to see if they can really push on from that result because their, their run of fixtures coming up is absolutely torrid. You know, Watford at home was what you consider a fairly gentle start against a newly promoted side, but Southampton away, they finished seventh last year, and you look at their next eight fixtures, they've got the rest of the top seven. Uh, Swansea who finished 8th last season and then their other game in this run is uh, West Brom away which is never the easiest game so they face all the big boys in sort of the next two months you know they, they have a, a quite nice sort of you know November, December but you know that's a result against Southampton like you say Southampton started that game quite well and you know Everton they were on the back foot for a bit but the minute they got that goal on the counter-attack they were just fantastic after that you know the, the counter-attacking football they can play and when Barkley's on that sort of form driving forward Lukaku's driving like that Kone's running around they were just fantastic but it's all about now going back to Goodison and because the first performance of the season at Goodison against Watford disappointing and now they face you know the team that has been by far, by far the best so far in City and be interesting to see if they can match them here because with this run of fixtures coming up if they're going to really want to sort of push into sort of getting towards the top six again they've got to show a statement here yeah, and City don't have the best record at Goodison Park I think it's only three wins from the last 18 Premier League visits there do you see them getting a victory to, uh, this weekend? I think I do yeah I think even though Everton were great against Southampton City have just been next level so far you know and I think that in this game they should just have too much for Everton I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for City yeah I completely agree with that actually Aguero seems to be finding form and when he's on form Stones and Jagielka have been playing well but there's no defender in the world who can stop Aguero in top form and we talked about that City attack it's just when they're on this sort of form I think they'll score goals past anyone so I'm going to agree with 3-1 victory so both going for 3-1 victories for Man City OK next the final game on Sunday between Watford and Southampton Barnes will start with Southampton so impressive last year getting that 7th place finish but they're still without a win this year It's been a concerning start for them really as you mentioned they've they shocked everyone 
people were tipping them for relegation last season, but they were amongst the top four for much of the campaign, eventually finished seventh. But this season, they yet to really get going. We fought the opening day draw against Newcastle. Not the worst result, not the best result ever. It wasn't, it wasn't disastrous. It wasn't particularly encouraging. But a 3-0 home defeat to Everton last time out, that really is concerning. They were, they were very good at home last season. Only Chelsea conceded fewer goals in front of their own fans all season in Southampton. And in home and away, only Chelsea conceded fewer goals than them. So defensively, they will be very concerned, conceding five goals in the opening two games. Perhaps the, the loss of Nathaniel Klein's contributed towards that. Um, Cedric's come in, he's, he's done all right so far, but hasn't quite got had the impact Klein had game after game. So they will be concerned. Against South, against Everton, sorry, they started fairly well, but then they got hit on the counter-attack by Lukaku's first goal, got hit on the counter-attack again by Lukaku's second goal, and that was game gone, really, by that point. They never really got into the match in the second half. They were well beaten, really, by Everton in the end, despite the positive start. And they couldn't really have many complaints at losing by three goals either, which is perhaps the most concerning thing. Defensively, as I mentioned, they need to improve. But in attack as well, Long got the chance to come in after his equaliser. He did nothing really. Pele, he started he started relatively well the game. He had a couple of sights to go. He had one volley, which really tested Howard. It was straight at him, but it was a really well-struck shot. Apart from that, as the match wore on, as soon as they, as soon as Everton's first goal went in, they didn't really offer anything much more in attack. So all over the pitch, really, they need to improve. Yeah, it has been a poor start for them and you wonder if just their European involvement are so good last season but you wonder if getting into Europe is going to have a big effect for them because look what happened to Everton last season, you know, they were brilliant in that, that's the first season under Martinez you know, and then they don't get into Europe and poor in the Premier League last year in Southampton even though they did look good in their sort of opening Europa League ties you know you wonder if that just does have an effect and especially with all the injuries they've got at the moment as well you know key players like Forster very good goalkeeper Bertrand at the back and classy in midfield you know there's key players missing there and you just wonder if the rigours of playing in European football as well as you know just the test of playing the Premier League you know it's such a hard league week in week out you just wonder if it's all becoming a bit too much and you do worry for Southampton if they're going to be able to replicate last season's finish when you look at how well say you know Swansea have started the season Stoke have looked pretty good and you think that one of those sides Everton as well obviously who they lost to last weekend you think one of those sides might sort of go above them and if if any team's going to challenge the top six sort of you know Spurs and Liverpool in fifth and sixth it doesn't look like it's going to be Southampton at the moment because just, yeah, they just haven't looked great so far. Yeah, overall last season, obviously it was a very good season, but they didn't end the campaign very well, and that's carried on into this one, which is which will be perhaps the biggest concern for Coman. I think stretching back to last season, they've only won one of the last eight Premier League games, and away from home, if they're going to match last season's performance, or even better it, they need to improve away from home as well. There's now eight without a win in the Premier League away from home. They've only picked up two points in the last 24 available on the travels, which, if you want to make that step up into Europe, needs to happen. At the moment, on the basis of the, that Everton performance, it looks like they might be one step behind the likes of Everton, uh, Stoke and Swansea, which will be a a role reversal from last season really because they were setting the pace for those sorts of teams to try and catch up on so they need to turn things around and this this is a decent chance to do it against Watford I think it's a decent chance I mean Watford they're still unbeaten you know they've had their first two games they went to Everton on the opening day really impressive performance there with the 2-2 draw you know they could have easily won that game because Everton even though Everton were great against Southampton they weren't good at all you know um, in, in that Watford game Watford will come away from that thing they should have won and then last week they have their first home game against West Brom who 
you know, got you know thrashed by City in the opener, and Pulis went there, sort of tried to shore things up. But even then, Watford created far more chances than West Brom. You know, they had more shots. West Brom actually didn't have a single shot on target, and Watford, the likes of Dini and Igalo, they did look bright. Igalo came in and started after you know coming off the bench and looking really good against Everton, but they couldn't quite find the goal, and they almost ended up losing the game. Berahino had that great late chance, and he missed that. You know, if he'd stuck that away, it would have really felt like a really tough loss because they they probably deserved to win that if either side did. But a draw at home to West Brom isn't bad, but they were certainly you know. They're still unbeaten, but sort of searching for that first win. You need to get that off your back quickly. Yeah, there's been encouraging signs. You mentioned Dini and Nicola there. I think they scored, they scored so many goals in the Championship last season, and they've shown signs of being able to make the step up to the Premier League. Nicola had a few decent chances against West Brom, obviously got the goal on the opening weekend. Dini's yet to really get firing, but he's the sort of player who, who will get your goals in the Premier League. So I think attacking-wise, they've got the ability to pick up some points. The start to the season hasn't been too easy. Everton and West Brom, not easy games. They both uh, finished bottom half last season, but what, uh, they're expected to do better this time around. Southampton this time around, uh, this weekend is a tough game, and then Man City after that. If they can come out of this one still unbeaten, they'll be happy with that start to the season because it's been a tough one. Man City obviously is another step up from that, and the form they're in, not many people will be expecting anything from that game for Watford. But if they can come away from this one, even with a draw, I think that'll be a good start to the season for them. Yeah, I think it's certainly quite a tough game to call. You know, Watford looking for their first win. Uh, same with Southampton, who haven't looked great so far. So what's your score prediction? Well, Southampton, were, they were decent on the road against Newcastle. Nothing special at home. They really struggled last week. I think being back on the road may help them. The only question is about the Europa League um, involvement in, on th- uh, Thursday night. Whether they can raise their game again against Watford remains to be seen. Watford, as you say, have been good, but I think I'm going to go for Southampton 1-0 victory. Yeah, I'm actually going to pick Watford to get another draw here. I think you know they've they've just got that longer rest, like you said. Southampton involved in uh, Europa League in midweek, so I think Watford they'll have more rest here, and I'm going to back them to get a two-two draw here. So one Southampton win and a draw. Moving on to Monday night, Arsenal host Liverpool at the Emirates Stadium. Pascal is the standout tie of the weekend. Liverpool, one of only four teams still with a hundred percent record. Yeah, I think well, six points out of six. You know, beat Bournemouth on Monday night, and you know, beat Stoke in the first game, two one nil wins. But you know, it is six points, but certainly not impressive in either game for me. I mean, the Bournemouth game most recently on Monday, I certainly thought they didn't necessarily deserve victory there. You know, the first half there was the two major talking points where. Bournemouth, they take the lead through Tommy Elphick. Well, they think they're taking the lead and then it's disallowed. And you watch it back and it certainly seems to be a fair challenge. You know, there's not much contact between Lovren and you see those sort of challenges every all, all day, you know, in, in the games. You know, it's just definitely not a foul. Bournemouth should have taken the lead there. And then, you know, Liverpool's goal, it was, you know, an unfair goal. It shouldn't have been given because Coutinho stood, you know, one, two yards offside. And if he leaves the ball, and it's probably going to reach Benteke anyway, and it's probably going to be a goal. But the fact Coutinho goes for it, that means the goalkeeper stops on the line. And especially with the new rules that have been brought in this season, it's supposed to make this sort of thing clearer. And like Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe the Bournemouth manager, said in his post-match press conference, you know, if, if if they can't get this one right, because this was very clear, this one, you know, how how are they going to struggle with some of the sort of closer ones? So Bournemouth can feel aggrieved there. You know, they, I think they matched Liverpool for long periods passing the ball and. Liverpool didn't create that many chances. Bournemouth probably went closest to the second goal of the match when Richie hit the post. And, you know, it was good for Benteke to get his first goal for the club. But, you know, in both opening games, you know, against Stoke and Bournemouth, two teams that Liverpool would expect to be. I know they have beaten them, but they haven't dominated either game, really. And it is six points out of six. But, you know, Arsenal are going to provide a sterner test here. And you think they, they really need to improve. I think points on the board is the most important thing at this stage of the season for Liverpool, particularly after the disappointments of last season. They're, as you say, they haven't played too well in either game they haven't dominated either match but I think there are positives to take from both games defensively no goals conceded after two games is a as good a start as you can hope for at the back I think neither 
Bournemouth or Stoke have really threatened too much, threatened Simon Mignolet's goal too much. They haven't created clear-cut chances. The Bournemouth game on Monday night, there was mainly long-range efforts, despite Bournemouth having the ball in some very good areas. Richie's effort you mentioned off the post, that was from range. They, they didn't create any really good goal-scoring opportunities. Liverpool didn't create too many themselves at the other end, it must be said. And I think that's the area they'll be looking to improve on. Benteke, I think, had a good game, held the ball up well, obviously got the first goal in his first home game, hit the bar late on when he probably should have scored as well. So he, he had a good game, but those around him, I think, need to improve a bit more. The likes of I, the likes of Lalana, if they can give him better support, then it should be a good attacking unit for Liverpool. Yeah, I certainly agree. I think Lalana especially, he really impressed me in pre-season, some of his performances, but he's looked really off-colour. I've sort of said in pre-season, you know, he wants to sort of really take advantage of Sterling leaving and sort of fill that void, but he hasn't really done too much. Coutinho scored that great goal against Stoke, but when you look back at both games, you know, they they only won at Stoke because Coutinho scored a wonder goal from, you know, 30 yards, and they only beat Bournemouth because of a goal that should have been disallowed, so... It is quite worrying for me, and especially looking at this Arsenal game now. Henderson came off, I think it was around the 50th minute, quite soon after half-time uh, against Bournemouth, and he's now a doubt for this game. And you know, He was one of their star players last season, really offers a lot of drive, both you know at the back and then he pushes forward, likes to get towards the box. And if he's missing for this one, it could be a big blow for them because you look at who might come in. I think it well, probably could be Emre Chan, and I think the Liverpool fans will be glad to see him maybe come in in that sort of defensive midfield area because you know last season he spent a lot of time at right back and you know did a good job down there, but with the sort of the sort of players and the sort of ta- talent that he has, you know, he, he, you think he could have more of an effect in the game in the middle if it's if it's him and Milner in there. You know, it's one of the toughest teams you're going to face from a midfield perspective when you look at the players Arsenal have got. You know, you got your Cazorla's, Özil, all those creative players, Sanchez. You know, flitting around, they've got a lot of great players there, and it'll certainly be a big challenge for Chan if he comes in because without Henderson there, that's a big blow for Liverpool. Yeah, you mentioned those Arsenal players; they were. Ozil especially at their best really against Crystal Palace last time out bounced back from a really disappointing opening to, uh, opening to the season against West Ham pre-season went so well for them there's so much optimism the arrival of Petr Cech and then obviously he's at fault for both goals so such a disappointment they just fell flat on their face against West Ham the bounce back against Palace they did really well to do that Ozil had a really good game as I mentioned likes of Cazorla back in his deep playmaking role looked a lot better than he was out wide against West Ham they wrote their luck at times Coquelin perhaps fortunate not to get sent off two yellow card worthy challenges perhaps and Palace hit the post as well when the score was one all I think so they wrote that they did ride their luck at times, but they, there's no doubting that they really deserved the win. Sanchez was back in the team. He made a difference, obviously forced the own goal that proved to be the winner. So more positive signs, certainly, from that Palace game after a really disappointing start to the season. Yeah, and you didn't even really mention the Giroud goal there. It was a yeah. brilliant, brilliant finish from him, wasn't it? That sort of overhead kick, you know, especially... You know, that first game of the season, everyone was expecting Walcott to get the nod ahead of Giroud up front. Wenger, you know, went back to Giroud and you know he didn't score against West Ham. There was that just generally disappointing performance, like you said. But for him to bounce back with that goal, like like you say, Özil getting back to his best against Palace, it was certainly a big boost. And especially going into this game, you know, a big game against Liverpool here. And but you just wonder with Arsenal, you know, it's always talked about they've got a good enough squad, but all they've signed this this year is Czech and. Even though he should really improve them, you know, I know he had a bad first game against West Ham. He is still, you know, just a goalkeeper, and a lot of the time you're going to need more than just signing a goalkeeper to really take you to that next level for the title. And you wonder if they've signed enough. And even even now, just sort of looking at the gossip, you know, the last couple of days, few days, they haven't really been linked with anyone. You know, the Benzema rumours have you know gone cold, and if they're not really going to sign anyone else, you really need their players to be at peak level. You know, every game if they're going to if they're going to really challenge for the title because without Wilshere's injured, you know, Welbeck's been out. I know Welbeck probably isn't a regular starter, but he certainly offers you something off the bench that you know a lot of the other players don't. So without those key players and with the same, basically the same team as last year, you just wonder if they've really got enough to push the likes of City, who have looked fantastic early on. 
These two are likely to be top four rivals. Liverpool fans won't, won't want me reminding them 4-1 in this fixture last season. Which way do you see this one going? I think it's a tough game to call because Arsenal, you know, very disappointing first home performance against West Ham and I think they'll certainly want to bounce back here but with Liverpool, you know, they're, they're coming here, you know, above Arsenal in the table, you know, joint top of the table but I think Arsenal should just have too much of them here at home so I'm going to go for a 2-1 Arsenal win. It's a tough one to call because both have had mixed starts this season. Arsenal only lost twice at home all last season in the Premier League and if they lose again here then they'd already match that tally. I, th- I think it's going to be a close one. I think I can see goals in it so I think I'm going to go for a two-all draw. So we're going for one Arsenal victory and a draw. That's all 10 games wrapped up for this week. Thank you very much for listening and join us again next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.